Being Family Sunday, I thought a great one to talk about is the prodigal son. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 15 at a very well-known parable, one of probably, if not the most famous parable that Jesus ever preached. And if you're not familiar with it, that's awesome because today you get a chance to familiarize yourself with this incredible story that Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. So the man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So here is what the son is asking of his father. He says, let's pretend that you're dead so that I can get my inheritance now. All right. That's literally what he's saying. Right? Because when we, when we get our inheritance, we receive that. It's when our, our, our parents pass away. And so what he's saying is, I want to leave. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to I act as if you're dead. I want to go away from my home, but also gimme, 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 gimme. Right? And let's just consider for a second if someone did that to us. Let's say maybe not necessarily a child, but it could be, or a friend or whomever. Say, I don't want anything to do with you. I wish you were dead. By the way, let me have half of what's ever in your bank account, and I'm going to go. Right? That's severe. That, that is some serious rejection right there. Serious selfishness right there. But that's what this son wants. He doesn't want anything to do with his dad, his family, or anything like that. But he does want the benefits of his dad and his family. And he wants to take it, and he wants to leave. And here's what's so amazing about these opening verses of this story. It's when it says in verse, uh, what is it, verse 12 at the end, so his father agreed. His father said yes. Again, can you imagine if that was you being asked of you? Say, you can leave. We didn't get any of my stuff. Like, are you serious? The audacity? No. You can't have my stuff. If you want to go, go. But the father agrees. The father gives him this choice, the choice to leave, the choice not to stay. And, you know, God as our father gives us a choice. And the reason he does so is because he's also given us something called dignity, where he allows us to choose the path that we're going to take. He allows us to, check this out, to make the choice to go live a far lesser life than to follow him. But he does so because he's given us dignity. We are not slaves. We are not robots. Relationships require choice. And that's ultimately, that's what Jesus died for for us, was to allow us to be in relationship with him, to make the choice to say, I want you, Jesus. I know you want me. The father in this story wants his son, but the son has to want the father back. God desperately wants us, but it's, us, it's up to us to make the choice to receive and be in that relationship and to stay, or in this case, to go. It says in verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Now, let me just take a second on the side here. You notice that when he is given this inheritance, he doesn't know what to do with it. The Bible says that he wastes it. Kind of going back to last week in the season of suffering that we talked about in our, in our study of Elijah, 
There's many of us that are waiting on things. We want the blessing from the Father, right? We want our inheritance. We want all those good things. And we're wondering, God, why haven't you given this to me yet? I feel ready. The son thought he was ready. But when he got his inheritance, he wasted it. And listen, this might be a hard pill to swallow, but for many of us in here, we are waiting desperately for God to give us that blessing in our lives. And what he's saying is it's not, you're not ready for it yet. It's there. It's waiting for you, but you're not ready for it. If I give it to you now, if I give you this blessing now, if I give you this calling now, you're going to waste it. And it might not even be intentionally. But we see here from this son, he wasn't ready for the inheritance. The father gave it to him anyway, and he wasted it all. He wasn't ready for what was to come, but if he had just waited. Again, verse 13, a few days later, the son packed all his belongings and moved to the distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Verse 14, check this out. I love this. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Now, what do we know about the weather? We know that God controls the weather. Right? That's why when we read about Jesus speaking to the wind and the waves and said, be still, because he is God over the weather. So what interesting timing here that when the sun runs out of all his money, then there is a famine in the land. And you can read this and say, well, that's mean of God. No, what this is is God's faithfulness in the son's life. God is saying, I'm going to bring you to the point of starvation, where it says he started to starve, so that you'll come back to me. So a lot of times, again, in our lives, we're trying to avoid the famine. We're trying to avoid starving. God's saying, no, 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 I brought this on you for a greater purpose so that you'll remember me and come back to me. And I, I wish it wasn't so, but a lot of times for, uh, for all of us in here, excuse me, it takes us starving to come back to Jesus. It takes there to be a famine in the land. And we don't need to raise our hands because I know it would be all of us, but... It's in the times of desperation. It's in the times of famine. It's in the times of starvation where we find ourselves on our knees praying more than any other time. When we're on vacation, right, when we're, we're eating waffles every morning or doing whatever it is that, that makes you happy, like, we're not on our knees desperate. Like, God, give me just that other waffle, please. You know, like, we're full. It's good. It's when we're desperate in our life, when we're starving in life, that we find ourselves on our knees. And here's what is amazing about the Lord. It, when it's us, and someone has come to us and rejected us and said, I don't want anything to do with you. And they, and they leave, and then they're suffering. And they come crawling back, right? You know what we say? I told you so. Right? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have done that, should you? And we rub it in their face. We make them feel terrible. God says, I've been here all along. I welcome you back. He doesn't operate in the way that we operate. He's not vindictive, and he doesn't lord things over us and make us feel less when we begin starving, when we find ourselves in a famine. He's waiting for us, and we see that in the story. But I want to ask this question before we go any further. Is anyone in here starving? In your life, and I'm not talking about waiting for the hot dogs after church, right? And so we're like, yes, please, hurry, wrap it up. Um, no, but in your life, in your life, have you experienced and are experiencing famine in the land? Are you starving for something more? Are you starving for real life? Starving for truth? Starving for a Savior? Let's keep reading. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farm, uh, farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. 
but no one gave him anything. Now, if you've ever been on a farm, you know that the pig is far away, right? I, was, I remember talking to Miss Joanne about her compound that she's building. I said, you're going to have a pig? She's like, yeah, it's going to be two miles down the road, right? When you have a pig on a farm, it's far away. Why? Because pigs stink, right? They're disgusting. They produce the most beautiful food ever, right? But the animal themselves are, are nasty, I remember I went, when I was 16, I went to like this outward bound type camp. It was called Pioneer Plunge. It was a young life camp. And they had a, a pig on property. And it was far from everyone else. And part of our job while we were at this camp was to feed the pig. And it, was a, it wasn't this massive pig. It was a cute little pig, right? But it stunk so bad when you would get in the sty and, and you dump, and it would just start, you know, eating all the left, all the nasty stuff. And what it's, what it's saying here is this young man was so desperate, so hungry, and keep in mind, too, Jewish young man was willing to eat the food of a pig. He was at his end. He was starving. Yes. Hashtag ooh, right? And then it says, but no one would give him anything. Y'all, listen to this. The world lies to you. The world lies to you. It sells you this bill of goods that if you just come and live this life, everything is going to be great. And this is how, as, as, as Satan is described in Matthew, I think it's chapter 4, it might be chapter 3, but when Jesus is going into the wilderness, he calls him the tempter, right? Satan has the tempter. He tempts us to leave home, right? To leave where we're supposed to be, to leave the love of God the Father and go out into the world. And we're not ready for it. And then when we need the world to help us out, no one gives us anything. The tempter leaves us alone. And so he's in the world, he's desperate for food, and no one gives him anything. And so what happens in verse 17? I love this part of the story. When he finally came to his senses, finally comes to his senses, light bulb moment. He said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, in verse 17, it says the word finally. And I think that's an important word because this story, Jesus isn't specific on the timeline. He doesn't say, you know, the only timeline is a few days later after he talks to his dad originally, he leaves. But after that, there's no timeline. We don't know how long it takes for him to squander all of his inheritance. We don't know how long the famine lasts. We don't know how long it takes him to get to that point of starvation where he's asking to eat pig food, right? It doesn't tell us any of that. It just says, finally. So after a course of time, like after a period of time, he comes to his senses. And, and I want to I point that out because I believe that there are parents in here who are praying over their own prodigals. And it feels like it's taking forever. But I want to tell you something. As you pray over them, as our church, as we pray over them, believe them to come home, there's going to be a finally in their life. There's going to be a finally in their life where they come to their senses. Where they come to their senses and they say, you know what? I need to go back home. I need to go back home. The world has rejected me. I'm alone. I'm starving. Finally, finally, they will come back to their senses in Jesus' name. We're praying for you. We're praying for your kids. We're praying for the prodigals. 
There's one thing that the Lord put on my heart when I, when I became lead pastor of this place, that the prodigals were going to come home. And we're, I, I believe that now as much as I did then. Prodigals are coming home. But he was able to come to his senses because he was out of ideas. He was out of ways for him to provide for himself. His first idea was, give me the inheritance now. Well, that didn't work out. Second idea is, let me get hired on, you know, at a farm. That didn't work out. Let me eat the pig's food. That didn't work out. No one gave him anything. That didn't work out. He had no other choice. And you know what? God's okay with that. God is okay with that. You see, going back to the beginning of the story, the father is the father, no matter whether the son sees him as that or not. The father's identity doesn't change with the son's acceptance. God is God in our lives, no matter how many other things we try. So his identity is never in question when we try other things. He doesn't become insecure when we try other things. I'm going to say that again. God does not become insecure when we try other things. And that's important because when we get to our end and we've tried everything else and we go back to the Lord, he's not going, oh, what about me? Why didn't you do that? No, he just says, here I am. I'm not insecure. I'm not feeling any which way because you tried all this other stuff. I've been here all along. I'm the father whether you choose for me to be or not. God is not insecure, y'all, which is why he's so approachable which is why he's always ready to receive us, because it's, he, he's not like us. He doesn't, it's not this question where he looks in the mirror and says, oh, why didn't they? He, he created the heavens and the earth. He is a big God, and he can handle us trying everything else. He desperately wants us to come to him. And I want to say this as well. We don't have to starve to get to that place. We don't have to starve. If you're in a place where you feel like you might be going down the road of starvation, don't go down the road. You don't have to. You don't have to. Praise God he's patient enough with us for us to take that journey, but also praise God that he doesn't make us take that journey. So again, if that's you, if you're, if you're knocking on doors and you're trying this and that, but you still got a little change in your pocket, don't wait. Turn to the Lord now. Run back to him now. Come to your senses now. Otherwise, this is, this is the path. This is the journey. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to get to the point where I got to eat pig food. I want to get to the point where I'm eating pig because it's delicious. And I love it. So he, he, he has this speech ready, right? I'll go home. I'm going to say all this stuff to my dad. I'm, I'm not worthy of being called your son. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. He's got this script, right? He's got the speech ready. In verse 20, it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. While he was a long way off. While he was a long way off, the father saw him. Why? Two reasons. Well, yeah, two reasons. One, he was waiting for him. He was waiting for him. And the reason he was waiting for him is because he knew how all this was going to turn out. He knew his son. He knew his son. When he gave him his inheritance, said, yeah, here you go. And his son moved out. He was going, he's going to squander it. He's going to waste it all. And when he does, I'm going to be here, not to tell him, I told you so, 
not to ridicule him, not to reject him, not to say, sorry, you can't stay here, you ruined that, but to wrap him in my arms and kiss him and love him because he's my son. And though he rejected me then, I don't reject him now. That is the love of the Father. That is the love of God and why he sent Jesus so that when we all come to our senses, he's waiting for us to embrace us and kiss us. And check this out. It goes, it says in verse 21, his son said to the father, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Ram, come on up. We're going to close this morning. But I want to say this. In, in the message, the version, it says, but the father, when, when the son comes home and says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and he begins his speech and says, but the father wasn't even listening. So the father wasn't even listening. So the son, had, remember, as he's coming home, he's, re, he's rehearsing the speech in his head. He said, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, and I'm just going to fall at his feet. And I'm just going to beg that I can be a worker in the house. And so, he's, again, he's got this script. Now raise your hand. But if any of, us, any of us this morning, any of us watching online, kind of been like that. This son, we're, okay, I've messed up, so this is the prayer that I'm going to pray. I'm going to give extra this Sunday to church. I'm going to come three weeks in a row, right? I'm going to do all this stuff to make up for all the things that I've been doing. And so that's the plan of attack that I'm going to have, and I'm going to earn Jesus' favor back with me. We do that. We come up with a plan. We have a script. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that in hopes that I can just be in the room, right? I can just work for him. When we come like, Jesus said, I'm not even, no, 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 I'm not even listening to that. You can just, just stop. Stop. You want to you be a hired hand in my house? You're not a hired hand. You're my child. So I'm not even listening to this pre-rehearsed speech that you gave. No, no, no. I'm going to put a robe on you, put a ring on you, we're going to kill the fat calf, and we're going to have a celebration. And it says, and the party began. The party began. Y'all, when we come to our senses, when we come back to Jesus, there is no, okay, do this, do that, do that other thing, and then you can be a hired hand, and if that goes well, then we'll kind of move you up, and we'll upgrade you. No, no, no. I'm saying, look, I'm just so grateful that you're home. I'm so grateful that you're home. Let's throw a party. And we get saved. We turn our lives over to Jesus. When we come back to Jesus and we come to our senses, I know that there is a party going on in heaven. Think about this, y'all. Abraham, Noah, Jonah, Esther, Ruth, Moses, Joshua, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Paul, Timothy, Titus, and the list goes on and on, are partying because we have come to our senses saying they're coming home. They're coming home. And there's that place at the table for all of us, all of us who come to our senses and turn our lives over to Jesus. So are you starving? Are you starving? 
Maybe you just lost your way. Maybe you, you know, you've heard this story, you've been to church, you received Jesus as your Savior long ago, but you just lost your way. Or maybe you're hearing this for the very first time, and you've been rehearsing that speech over and over in your head. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, and that'll get me in the good graces, and maybe God will forgive me of all that other stuff one day. Because I rejected him. Ugh. Looking back when I was younger, I rejected him. I was stupid. I did dumb things. I'm here to tell you right now, stop rehearsing the speech and just receive God's love, loving embrace over you. It's not about a speech. It's not about trying to make up for it. We can't make up for it. But here's the thing. We don't have to make up for it because when we receive Jesus as our Savior, that stuff is gone. We are a new creation. The Bible says we're born again. So we're a new person. That other person is dead and gone. There's no point in trying to make up for it. Thank you, Jesus, that when we come back to him, he doesn't say, I told you so. He doesn't say, oh, now you want my help. Oh, now you need something. Remember when you rejected me? He doesn't say any of that. He says, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. And he doesn't even wait for us to get to the front door. He runs to us. He runs to us because we are valuable to him. He died for us. You think he's going to reject you when you come to your senses? No. So let's stand up. I'm going to pray this morning. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time. We believe here at Beaches Chapel, our, 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 our mission statement is that this would be a home for all to begin and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. A home. And we want that. We want when, when you walk in here to feel like home, which means you feel comfortable. You feel like you can be yourself, right? You don't have to put on this act. You have to be somebody that you're not. All of us in here who have been going here for any length of time know that we're all in the same boat. We're saved by the grace and love of God our Father, sending Jesus as a sacrifice to us. It's nothing that we've done. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. It's because Jesus died for us. He took that penalty of death. He took our sins, and he was nailed to the cross for it. Perfect, loving Jesus, so that when we come to our senses, he comes running after us. He comes running after us. So if you're in that place, you're starving. You've tried everything. You've wasted all this stuff. You find yourself, you feel alone. You feel helpless. You feel like you're starving. Now's your moment. And also, for those who are praying over your loved ones, your, your babies, your children, and you are waiting for that finally to happen in their lives. I want to pray for you as well. Stay in agreement with you as well. That finally is coming. That finally is coming, and they are going to come to their senses. And whether it's here at Beaches Chapel or wherever, they're going to find home. They're going to find God. They're going to find Jesus. And wherever they're at in this world. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you saved us. And that even when we reject you, you wait. And you're on that front porch and you're just looking down that long driveway for us to come home. Waiting with anticipation. Waiting 
for us to come to our senses. And as we do, and you see that glimpse of us walking towards you, you run to us. And as we begin that speech, that, that rehearsed speech, you're not even listening. You're planning the party. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that made it possible for us to come to our senses and come back to you. And Lord, right now, I just pray for those in the room, those watching online, who have never received you as their Savior. If that's you this morning, I just want you to say these words. If y'all would all repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth and that you lived and that you died and that you rose again for me. And I ask you to come into my heart right now be Lord of my life. God, forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, we lift up those right now, the prodigals. Lord, for the parents in here that have cried and cried and cried over their sons and daughters. Are we stand in agreement with them right now? Lord, that the famine would come, the faithful famine, the, the famine of mercy that draws us back to you. Lord, that if it takes them being on that brink of starvation, Lord, that they wouldn't cross any line, Lord, but they would come to their senses and they would say, I've tried everything. I've tried to do it on my own. And they would remember, Lord, in that moment, they would have a moment of total revelation and clarity that they would return home, Lord. Your word says it does not return void. And those seeds that were planted in their hearts at a young age, God, would come back to remembrance. And whether it's here or somewhere else, God, wherever they're at in this state, in this country, in this world, that they would walk into where you would have them go and they would find their new home. They would find you. And they would find a God who has been waiting and waiting and waiting. And they would feel your warm embrace not condemnation, not judgment. God, we ask that the prodigals would come home. In Jesus' name, we call them home right now, Father. In Jesus' name, come home. Come home in Jesus' name. Yes, Father. Bring them home, Lord. Bring them home. Thank, thank you so much for your faithfulness in their lives, your patience in their lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love them more than all the moms and dads in here. You love them most. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would bless the food that we're about to eat outside. God, that church would continue as we go outside, that conversations would be great, and that new relationships would be formed. And God, we thank you for our, our, our kids' ministry, for base camp, for Rachel and her team, for every child that attends on Sundays, Lord. God, in a world that just speaks lies after lies after lies to our young children, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for truth being spoken over our, our loved ones here every Sunday morning. Raise up your church in our Impact Center. Raise up the new leaders, Father, for Peaches Chapel and all the other churches who are, are pouring into young ones, Lord. Volunteers who are giving their time. 
student ministers or kids ministers, Lord. Every Sunday, sacrificing, being in church. Raise up an army, Lord. Raise up leaders, Father. New pastors, Lord. New ministers. New, new warriors for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Protect them, Lord. In school, Lord. Protect them in the playgrounds, Lord. Protect them at home if they don't have a healthy home. Thank you for our young ones, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for them. Bless every family here, every person here, Lord. We love you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes. Listen.